0: Welcome to the podcast. Tonight is part three of our ongoing therapy session. Um, well, um, as we uh, kind of like meander our way through a bunch of topics that um, are related to writing and to fandom and mental health and health practices and just, you know, trying to be uh, better fandom citizens, better people, better writers. Talk about being honest. Recently, we installed a, um, a sprinting bot on Just Right. And it has a whole bunch of different features in it. And when we first installed it, I thought, I'm not going to use any of that. Um, but I thought that the bot thing would be really helpful because I hate keeping track of the time myself. And I usually fuck it up a lot. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that's great. I'll use that part. But then I got to looking at the other parts and I thought, well, maybe I'll use this project list thing. That will keep me on task, right? Okay, and then okay, maybe I'll use the goals because here's the thing about me and goals. I don't have a problem meeting goals, I have a problem remembering goals. I also have a problem remembering to document my progress on goals. And one feature about the bot that's really good is that if you're using the bot, it keeps track of your word count and it adds your word count to your goals. And when you're looking at your project list, if you call up your project list, you got your document open, you can see it doesn't match. You can update your project list to make sure that your word count matches and it updates your goals. And so it's just like, okay, this, this is actually working for me. This is, this is keeping me on track on task. It's helping me meet goals that I was meeting before, but not keeping track of, which is kind of, it's a, form of positive reinforcement for myself, right? But the other side of it is, it is keeping me honest. Because we've all been there when we've set a goal for ourselves. and am like, okay, well, I'll write tomorrow. Or I'll write tomorrow. I'll, I'll do this tomorrow. I'll work on this project tomorrow. I'll write on this. This, this isn't due for a couple of weeks. I'll do that. Procrastination, y'all, is real. And it, yeah. Being a gamer, I think, is helpful. Yeah, you're, you're probably right about keeping a score and keeping track of achievements. And the bot does do that. I'm not really interested in the XP or, you know, the winning of challenges or the winning of sprints. That doesn't really appeal to me at all. But the, um, because I don't like, I'm too old to compare myself to others across the board. Um, so none of that other stuff really matters to me. I mean, it's just like, I don't know when that would have mattered to me. That, that isn't my personality type. I like to do things. I like to do things well, but I've never really been invested in beating somebody else at something.
1: Unless I really unless, hate them.
0: Uh, unless it was Monopoly and my sister. That's different. That That's Monopoly. I
1: mean, I think the only times I've ever been really like invested in competition is when it's spiteful. I mean, there are times when, you know, someone just annoys me enough that it's sort of like, it's, It gets to be kind of out of spite, but in general, I mean, no, it's, it's not my, it's not where my head is. Um, And I even, I actually dislike Monopoly. So pretty, pretty much I find it pretty boring. Um, Pretty much the only Monopoly I ever get through um, is the the version where you deal out all the properties at the beginning, Um, which I think most diehard Monopoly fans probably hate that version of Monopoly because it's like... No one ever gets anywhere. Um, the only game I think I dislike more than Monopoly is Risk. I never could. Have, I never could get into Risk. It's just so boring. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Um, but um, I mean, I wish we could suppress some ass. I really like. I really like the bot. And I, I didn't. I haven't. I've seen some other Sprint bots in use, but I'm, I like that this particular Sprint bot works. it it keeps track of your stuff across all the servers you're on. And I, I am on multiple servers that have writing stuff. So if I happen to be on one of the other servers and they were doing a thing and they wanted to have, I I do 90% of my sprinting on just right. But every once in a while, somebody will be like on one of my other fandom servers they will be like, somebody will somebody please come write with me. And and I'll be like, yeah, sure. Um, Come on, boo. Let's, let's write. Um, (laughs) So anyway, um, so I, I like that it, you can make, you know, use one – whatever I do on one server, it's, it's tracking it to my profile. It's not tracking it per server. So I think that that was really nice, one of the reasons why we went with that one. But I don't like the competitive aspects of it because I don't think that writing is a competitive sport, and I don't like it being structured as a competitive um, thing where there's ranking. And, like, when you look at your stats, it'll tell you how many sprints you've quote-unquote won. And I assume that that means – how many sprints you came in first place which if you sprint by yourself a lot you win a, fuck a lot of, fucking a lot of sprints um <laughs> but but the thing about sprinting is in my opinion if you wrote any words you won the sprint that's what running a sprint is to me if you got words in you won the sprint <laughs> if you didn't it's it's it can it, I don't know. I mean, I think it could be demoralizing if you took it seriously, and maybe some people do. But we've tried to encourage everybody on the Just Right server to not take the whole winning the sprint aspect and the competitive aspect of the bot um, seriously, because I don't take it seriously. Um, I, I think most of the people on the server don't take it seriously. Um and I think the people who do take it seriously, um, we're hoping that they're gonna um, give us the option to be able to suppress the appearance of the ranking on the server. Um, and if that's the case, then we will definitely avail ourselves of that option. And for the people who are deeply invested in that competitive aspect of sprinting, they can sprint somewhere else because writing is not a competitive sport. It isn't, it just is not. Um, and and, to, and to anything that fosters the idea of it being a competition is is just not it's probably not honestly very healthy but um but you're saying about that you like that the you like that it helped you remember what your goals were and track every your progress to your goals um and there are ways to if you're if you're not sprinting there are way there's a way to get your word count in you just use the rote command instead of the sprint command um But there are people who have tried it who don't like it, which is totally fine. You don't have to use the bot. I think for some people, it's just been
0: very helpful. Um, I haven't used Scrivener in forever. Scrivener doesn't do an entire project word count. I mean, I have a free copy of Scrivener. I think it's on my laptop. I don't remember. It's been a while. I bought Scrivener with the Nano
1: discount one year after I... But I didn't actually like Scrivener, so I never used it. Well, there was
0: one Nano where if you won Nano, you got a free copy of Scrivener. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't win that
1: Nano. I guess for I, I the lot, the Nano I won. You got fifty percent off of Scrivener, which is
0: what I did. Um, but I remember using it briefly, but not liking it because I like to be able. I don't know. I felt like Scrivener was trying to boss me around. <laughs> I'm the boss. Well, part of the reason why
1: I didn't didn't ad- wasn't even willing to try ad- adopting Scrivener so was the time I started using Scrivener. Um, I've was doing too much writing or editing in a professional context to get away from word. And I just wasn't willing to, um, wasn't willing to do that. So, um, I've heard,
0: um, I would agree that either you either really like Scrivener or you don't, there doesn't seem to be an in-between.
1: Well, but I mean, it all depends upon how you want to use the bot. I mean, I've changed how I've used the bot. So I think that in a way, People are being a little rigid in their thinking sometimes about it. Um, so I've—I've. I've, this is for people who are listening to the podcast later. There have been some people talk about that Scrivener and the bot don't track word count the same. Um, but if you're getting your word count from Scrivener, that's actually I find a little confusing. Um, but you don't have to actually track your word count to a project. Um, what I've been doing is actually I switched up how I was doing it in part because. I was not enjoying writing in a in a document with 100,000 words in it. It just, when I switch over to my tablet, working in a document that big does not work well. It just, my tablet gets all janky when I open up a file that big and try to actually type. So what I started doing is sprinting, not to a project at all, but just always sprinting in a clean chapter. So when I write a chapter, which I don't know, it's just my process, I, when I start the chapter, I'm joining the sprint at zero word count. And when I finish, I stay in that chapter until I'm done with it. And then um, I'll be joining with, you know, incrementing the word count for that chapter until I'm done with the chapter. And then I add that chapter, copy and paste it into my master document, zero out my chapter, my working file start the next chapter, and then go back to sprinting from zero. And then periodically, I update the word count for my total document, uh, for my total project. Um, if, if I want to use projects at all, we have a lot of people who don't use projects, and you don't have to. So I'm primarily right now, I think I have one project in the system, and I'm actually done with that project. So um, I'm, I'm sprinting against nothing right at the moment. But um, I'm primarily sprinting against goals, and that's it. So, um, so I'm using it for mathing, for math. So I don't have to have a spreadsheet open that I'm entering my word count in It provides me my word count. And, and it's, it's giving me my total word count that I've, I've thing. So, I, I mean, yeah, which is exactly, I mean, what you're describing um, there with a uh, chapter one to chapter two, resets your word count. That's exactly what I'm doing. That's the way I'm sprinting already is when I change chapters, I start back at zero. Because it's more comfortable for me to write a chapter and then move that chapter into the master document than to, um, and to have a hundred thousand word file open. That just became my preference very quickly. From you know, um, you know, after hundred sprints, I was like, okay, I'm not digging having this big old file open all the time. So I'm just going to sprint from zero. And when I finish the chapter, I will move the chapter into my master document and then go back to sprinting from zero. And if I want to put that in. If I want to, you know, track that word count against a project, I can, but I don't have to. It's still tracking to your goals as long as you are using the sprint command or the route command. So, but it's, it's just a matter of preference. If you don't like it, you don't, is like nothing says you have to like it, but if you don't like it just on a process front, there might be a different process, you know, you could use that would suit you better. You don't have to use projects.
0: Um... And if you just want to like keep track of your yearly goal, you could just set aside Friday to go into the bot command area and enter your work count for the week or what you've done so far to update your goals for, you know, if you're doing a monthly or a weekly or a yearly um, goal and, and not have to worry so about anything else.
1: For some people it's, they like the bot for its, for its timing factor that it, it, they all they do is kick it off and it, it starts and ends the sprint. They don't have to do anything else. So people like it from the math front. Some people like it because it keeps track of all their projects for them. I mean, there are degrees of features at which it provides to people and the depth at which you use those features is what works for you. Um, But if none of it works for you, you can actually sprint with the bot and not use the bot at all. You just can report your word count manually. You don't have to join the sprints through the bot. You can just say, Hey, I wrote 400 words. Um, it's totally personal preference. No one's gonna take it. And if you wanna run OG sprints, you can do that too. So, um, but, but you know, I, I think it, if it worked for, um, it's working for me on a couple of fronts. Um, aside from just ease of use for me, I do like having some visibility that is not me opening up a spreadsheet into how much I've written um, into tracking and and into tracking goals through I mean I'm already sprinting on the server anyway and if it's tracking to my goals through s- work I'm already doing on the server that I would have been doing anyway it's like taking a step away so, you know taking away something I you know it's removing a step from from my to
0: do list so that's for me as a win um but, but I really appreciate the accountability factor for myself because it keeps like I said it's, it's keeping me honest and one of the things that I came to realize as a young woman that being honest with myself when it comes to my craft is really important. Uh, and it's not just about um, uh, your method or your inspiration but or your productivity. It's also about growing and learning as a writer. Because if you are honest about the areas you need work in, and if you're not honest, if you're not approaching your craft in honesty, you are Missing out. You are not seeing the areas where you need to grow um, and where you need to spend time. You're shortchanging your stories. You're shortchanging yourself because there needs to be a point in your process where you can look at your work objectively and say, okay, this works. This doesn't work. I like this about my story. I don't like this. Am I going to fix it or am I going to post it as is? And acknowledging a problem doesn't necessarily mean you have to fix it. So don't be afraid to acknowledge, okay, this actually doesn't really work. But I can't be fucked to fix it. So I'm going to go ahead and post it. Because I've had that conversation with myself. Recently, actually. Uh, Because at the end of the day, sometimes you'll see flaws and problems in your work that your reader never will. And it's because they don't have the same perspective as you do. You went into this project with a goal was an idea, with a theme that was important to you and whether, and whether or not you realize that goal for yourself is unless you've advertised it to the world is nobody's business, but your own. So you might find yourself very dissatisfied with something that you wrote, but your readers going to love it because they don't know what you were expecting. They have different expectations for that works and you do. And that's fine. And if you want to set and fix it or come back to it in a year and say, oh, well, you know what? That actually wasn't that bad. What was I thinking? Okay.
1: Yeah. Right. Sometimes, you. <laughs> but, but there's nothing with, there's nothing wrong with being honest with yourself about the problem and being honest with yourself about the fact that you just don't want to fix it. Sometimes people, sometimes people will use disempowering language. I don't like disempowering language. I don't like disem, uh, we've talked about like my feeling about the, the whole muse thing is fundamentally disempowering. Um, that's my big issue with it. But um, aside from, but when it comes to, um, I can't fix that. Or you have you used the can't? The word can't. You've you've taken the power out of yourself. I don't want to fix that. Or it's just not worth fixing. Um, as opposed to, this this is just an unsolvable thing that is outside of your control. And I don't ever like feeling that there's something in my work that is outside of my control. So I t- I tend to prefer to just say i don't want to i just don't care um and this is an unsolvable mess um but if i do feel something is an unsolvable mess i'm not going to post it until i can get to the point that i feel like i'm a little bit more in control of that unsolvable mess well right dark i could fix that but it would require giving a fuck, and i have none um that would be on small things <laughs> not small things generally if it's something big i i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna fix it but
0: um Unless it's too big, and then you're just like, and it goes in a folder that you don't look at.
1: Right, and that sometimes because, but that, if it's a huge thing, if it's a huge, huge thing, um, odds are I'm not going to post it. Because it's if, it, if it's that big a thing that I can't deal with it, I, I don't know why I would post it. So you're right, it would go in a folder, and I'd be like, I don't know how to deal with what I was thinking. I mean, I was smoking the Mary Jane when that when I came up with that idea and probably when I wrote it too. (laughs) I must've felt hit my head again. How many painkillers was I on when I took that, when I wrote that? I mean, I, I wrote something really unfortunate once on a lot of pain medication and (laughs) (laughs) when I read it later, I was like, wow, that must've made sense to me when I was stoned out of my mind, but it just does not. How high
0: was I? Right.
1: Exactly. But it's sort of like, um, I used to have the goal of i'm going to write every day and but there were days i mean i i almost never say i can't write today it's usually um i try to be sure that i'm honest with myself about i don't want to write today because they're almost inevitably on a day when i would be inclined to say i just can't today it's usually more of a case of like i just don't want to today today was too fucked up and i just no but there are of course circumstances where you can't i mean like you've been evacuated you know <laughs> it's like sometimes there are circumstances where it's 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 it does become a can't and i think it's important that it you be careful with the language you use with yourself about what is really going on uh, getting in your way so that you can say i am choosing because i'm stressed out and i would rather comfort read than sit down and write because it's fair that is a fair thing to say is is my day has been shitty and um i want to reread whatever thing i love that makes me feel the best um rather than try to get into a creative headspace and make this story happen right now and that is a fair thing especially with sometimes the kind of year most of us have had it's a fair thing on any given day but it's especially lately it's fair that you make the choice to comfort rather than and sometimes writing is comforting but sometimes the act of being creative is just getting too in touch with your emotions and you just don't want to but to say you can't takes the power away from you because you're not making a choice it feels like you're at the whims of the universe right that the 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 world is happening to you and it's keeping you from writing which no um so when i when I was thinking about goals to set, um, I actually moved away after 2020 from the idea of a daily writing goal. I still work on something writing, writing related almost every day, but it's not always writing. Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's editing, um, although I do consider that part of the writing process, just cause, like I could consider plotting to be part of the writing process. Sometimes it's just noodling on an idea for a while, you know, as Gira calls it. What do you call it? The bubble thing? I'm sorry, what? The bubble thing. Oh, cloud plotting.
0: Oh, oh, okay. Um, I was like, what bubbles?
1: I don't I don't know why. I, I can't say th- for some reason I can't think of it as cloud. I'm like, bubbles as bubbles? It's not bubbles. I know that's not the right word. Um I, I do I do my own version of that. Um mind mapping, thank you, Ellie. Um, I consider that all part of the writing process. So now sometimes people can get bogged down and then they never do anything but plot, and then you need to have an honest conversation with yourself about how you're bogged down and you've been doing nothing but plotting for the last three years. That story is plot, sit down and write it. Um, bubble plotting. <laughs> um, so when I was thinking about what I was going to set, I was like, I'm not going to use the da- the daily goal feature in the thing. And then I'm like, no, nah, yes, I am. Because that's the only way to track how many, how many words you wrote that particular day is if you have a daily goal in the system. So I did wind up using it. But, you know, set it small so that I I feel like it's achievable regardless. But also, I don't care if I don't hit it because there's nothing in my face saying you didn't hit your goal, which I appreciate. But there are days and there are many days where I, you know, especially over the last year where I go, I do not want to write today. So I'm going to choose not to write today. It's sort of like that email we talked about in the last podcast, which I won't get into again. But one of the things that I said in the response email, which, by the way, we never did get a reply about. But one of the things I said in the response email to her was she had said she didn't feel like she had a choice but to get it off her chest. And I said, actually, you did have a choice. You wanted to get it off your chest. You didn't have to. It wasn't like you were compelled to send this email. Um, Just like I could ignore you. I'm choosing not to.
0: Yeah, she never emailed us back. I'm just gruntled about it. No, I'm definitely not gruntled. You know, when I found out that, uh, that gruntled was actually a word. I was literally delighted. Me too. I never I never-, never really paid attention to it. I mean, surely, okay, yeah. It's a word, right? It just it never crossed my mind that it was actually a word. Until I looked at up and was like, oh, gruntled's is actually a word.
1: <laughs> I'm so happy with the world
0: right now. I was delighted. (laughs) Yes, Star, it's a word. (laughs) It's fantastic. I was gruntled to find out that gruntled was a word.
1: And it doesn't sound like, I mean, please, satisfied, contented. Gruntled does not sound like please, satisfied, (laughs) contented. It just doesn't. It does sound cranky. (laughs) Thank you, Asteropi. It sounds cranky.
0: Yeah. It It sounds like
1: it sounds like a Pokemon.
0: <laughs> it's a Gruntled. Or an animal, like a, a magical animal in Harry in Harry Potter. No, I'm all but, in on
1: Pokemon now.
0: But it's, you know, I think that when you start down that road of lying to yourself about your writing, um, that it takes you into a uh, a very unproductive place. Because those lies turn into excuses. Or your excuses turn into lies. It's like this vicious circle that you create. Um, and that's all you end up creating. Is this ugly circle where you're lying to yourself. Um, and you're not getting a damn thing done. And I've been there. I've been there. I've done that. And it's it's a frustrating place to be. Because it's like you know. You know you're responsible for your own damn condition you you know you put yourself in this place whether it's through procrastination or um you know or you know bad time management or depression and I'm not saying you put yourself in depression but sometimes for me personally I have used my that was not right provo- um, provocative Jillian I know <laughs> <laughs> there have been times when I've used My depression to lower my own expectations of myself. I'm not saying that you do that. I'm saying that I do that. And I'll be like, oh, well, you know, it's going to be a bad month. It always is this time of year. And this is a really, this is a really bad month for me. So I'm just going to not, I'm just going to, I'm not going to try. That's going to be stressful. So I just won't try. So I'm like preemptively stressing myself out, which is part of anxiety. Um, and there was a time when I was younger. When I did that a lot. Where I would stress myself out. On the stress I had yet to feel. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would be stressed out. It, it was just like. Why are you doing this to yourself? Why Why are you doing this? Why are you like this? And it's just. It's the brain. Right? And having, um, having an obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and having it manifest the way it does. Um, And also having um, this little mental quirk where I not only, I mean, I I will often sit and ponder a simple decision for hours. Try to figure out all the angles and and what would happen if I do this or what would happen if I do that. It's a very beneficial tool in my toolbox as a writer. But as a human being, it's a time waster. And it causes anxiety. And I've always done this since I was a little kid, apparently. My mom told me um, a couple years ago that when I was very young, she went out of her way not to tell me anything bad. And they would, my whole family would kind of redirect me away from news. Because if I saw something terrible happening, I would spiral. And it would be like, you know, there was a tornado three towns over and I'd be like, oh my god, there's going to be a tornado here. And then I would just go completely off the rails. And it will destroy the house and I won't have anywhere to live and I'll be living in the barn. <laughs> just like, I mean, I was six or seven years old and I was doing this to myself. Right? And so that's always been here. Well, yeah, then I'm going to have to clean the barn and, and then where will the chickens live if I have to live in their house? <laughs> <laughs> where will the chickens live <laughs> with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah chickens are creatures of habit uh it was just you know so I, i've always had that mental quirk and no amount of medication solves that particular issue so there becomes a point where you have to where i had to learn to self you know self you know do some moderation on myself so that i wouldn't do that and i wouldn't go off the rails um, Regarding a. You know. A tropical storm. Or. Um, I mean. You know. It being a Tuesday. And maybe my boss is pissed at me. I'm going to get fired. I mean. Because. You know, there's, there's no explaining that kind of anxiety. And where it comes from. And then. The next thing you know. You're living in the bar with the chickens. Again. <laughs> <It's> just like. <sighs> and chickens are mean. Well. There's there's no explaining the way your mind works when you're having that kind of anxiety spiral. Um and it's you know, so one of the one of the actually one of the things that really saved me on that front is writing because I can kind of funnel all of that mental energy into the creative process. Someone just said chickens are small dinosaurs, sometimes they're not that small Putting that out there. I've seen some big ones. But it's being able to to kind of submerge my mind in the creative process has always been um a really good thing for me. Once I found it, it became a big, you know, this awesome place that I could go mentally. I could tell myself stories. And I mean, I told myself whole novels in my head since I was very young. Um, And being able to do that has always been really helpful. But there have been times when I couldn't do that. And looking back on it, I can see that my creative slump only added to my anxiety. So it became this kind of ugly feedback loop. I can't concentrate to write because I'm anxious and I can't I can't be creative, I can't write, I can't funnel all this mental energy into this so I'm getting more anxious and then I can't write some more so it becomes this ugly little circle that you can kind of spiral in and until you pass out because in the midst of that you're also not sleeping or I'm not I'm not sleeping, I, I, I stop eating and the thing and about then, that you know, spiral up, next thing you know you're up for 72 hours, you're, you've you been up and then you pass out Yeah. Well, if
1: you're lucky. Um, (laughs) I've actually been hospitalized from lack of sleep, so um, I prefer the passing out part. Um, But there is a, I've been in that spiral where, and the funny thing is I had a therapist who worked with me on some of my, um, What they're called cognitive distortions, and boy, when they give you the list of cognitive distortions, I had all of them. Um, But when I would get it, get into the whole i can't write thing she and i would work on this sometimes and i'd I'd really have this whole blowing things out of proportion especially catastrophizing was my um was one of my big things and um be like can you write 100 words i'm like 100 words of what she goes 100 words of anything and we get down we start going back and forth about this and finally she'd be like i want you to just write 100 words i'm like are you saying you can't do that I'm like, but a hundred words of what? She says, I don't it doesn't matter. Just hundred words. Can you write a hundred words of anything? I said, Well, of course I can write a hundred words of anything. And she says, then do it. I'm like, but it doesn't mean it's gonna be good. She says, that's not what I asked you to do. You're saying I'm you making can't a write. Face. <laughs> mm-hmm. She said, You're saying you can't write. You're making a black and white statement that you can't write. That you are you are that you're just messed up about it. I'm saying you can write. Write a hundred words. I said, but "It's not going to be good." And she says, "I don't care. Just write a hundred words." Can you do that? Are you capable of it? I said, "Well, of course." And I'd be really irritated. Of course, I can
0: write a hundred words. This woman's very confrontational.
1: <laughs> oh, she was. Well, actually, she. I wound up with her as my therapist because I told my psychiatrist I needed a therapist. <gasps> just a little bit she, That's creepy. She, no, no creepy pictures. Um, wow, that threw me right out of my head. Um. Um. I told my psychiatrist i need a therapist a little bit pushy and he went next level with his recommendation um
0: yeah that's a little next level
1: but and she she was she was you know she was especially with like this kind of stuff we'd go this very pushy back and forth where she would get really um into challenging my perceptions of myself and my perceptions of my world and my ability to handle things um but especially when it came to, and this was part of my cognitive behavioral therapy, um, was, um, we're never going to get through this if you don't, you know, because she would challenge me about, especially any of the, like, black and white thinking or my tendency to catastrophize things or um, um, whatever. I'm blanking on some of the other, I'm blanking on the other cognitive distortions as a whole. Um, but anyway, um, so we would go back and forth, and, and she would say, what you're really saying to me is that you can't have it exactly the way you want it, so you don't want it at all. And I was like, oh, fuck you. And she says, I'm sorry, but you're never going to have things exactly the way you So just sit down, pick up your fucking pen, and write. I'm like, you were so mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> when your psychiatrist F-words you, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> I mean, i had been I had been her patient for years at this point. So it wasn't like she just got mean to me. Um, <laughs> look at Dark. Just explain your choice of friends.
0: <laughs> Rude. You know she's talking about you. I know she's talking about me. I can't even. I can't even. She's on something tonight.
1: That's for sure. She's got her s- snark level set to maximum. So did you
0: write the fucking words? Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay.
1: I, I have a hard time backing down, especially at that stage in my life, I had a hard time backing down from a challenge. She knew that. Um, so I did. I sat down and wrote. So here, I'll put a link to some of the co- most common cognitive distortions out here. This is not actually the list that I used to work on, but the ones we worked on are all in there. Um, we I, we worked on a smaller subset. But um, cognitive distortions can definitely affect writers quite a lot. Um so it's worth looking at how you think about your writing, and being honest with yourself, and looking at are you engaging in any of the um, common distorted ways of thinking, um, and then trying to find strategies to address if you have a common way, a, a particularly common thought pattern that is problematic for you about your about your writing. And you don't have to do any of this; you can do whichever you want, but. Um, I think part of growing as a writer if that's what you want to do is part of part of that is learning to be honest with yourself and part of being honest with yourself this is a little, gonna make this is gonna come out a little bit weird um part of part of being honest with yourself is also learning how to be honest with others and i don't mean that in a um go be brutally honest with everybody around you kind of way because um unsolicited unsolicited feedback regardless of what the context is um whether it's on writing or just life in general is just like just running around telling people random truths (laughs) it's usually not welcome it's like no i don't care what you think of my haircut fuck off (laughs) you just go to random people and start telling them what you think of their anything but when you're in a writing um writing group there's there's a I think a skill you have to learn, which is how to be honest without being injurious. And also there are times you keep things back. Like I'm there's nobody that no and I do mean nobody that I am brutally honest with when it comes to writing because there's just no point. There's just no point in in just tearing somebody apart like that. And I wouldn't want anybody doing it to me. I I appreciate that people take the time to soften and think about how they should approach telling somebody Uh, because writing is very intimate and personal and writers usually know that. So, um, but what I see sometimes is that people don't, maybe they don't know what to say. So I'm going to call it like, so they don't want to be discouraging. So in the pursuit of not being discouraging because they feel like honesty would be discouraging, I feel like that what winds up the the byproduct of of that is what kind of in my head is what I call toxic enablement, which is I'm not going to explicitly tell you that that's a great idea. I'm just going to tell you that you should do it. (laughs) So I'm not going to lie and tell you that that is a wonderful thing. What I'm going to tell you is that you should definitely go forward with it, (laughs) which it's weird it is weird and i see this happen i don't necessarily mean you know in our circle but i see it happening in all different kinds of writing groups or or on other servers or just all different kinds of spaces where people talk about story ideas some people put an idea out there and i go oh my god that is perhaps the worst you've ever heard if people say things yeah, like you should definitely do that and i'm like no you should definitely not
0: okay pause late last night or maybe early this morning maybe it was early yesterday morning okay so it happened in a moment where I had not gotten a lot of sleep, let's put it that way, I messaged Jillian and I said I'm going to do this, this, and this with this, and she wrote back and said, "Well, you if you do this, you have to name it this," and I said, "Well, I'm going to name the series of that," and she's like, "Great," and then she gave me a list of of other things I should include. And now I'm thinking to myself, was she toxic enabling me? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Would you be truthful? I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: Because you know me, if I thought it was a silly idea, I'd be like, are you smoking something? Because I've said that to you before. (laughs) I'd be like, did you hit your head?
0: (laughs) But the other side of it is, is that if you have somebody, a writer in your life, who is aggressively honest with you about your work to the point where the thought of sharing your work with them makes you sick. Stop sharing your work with them. Yes, definitely, definitely. We've all heard that story in fandom, where they, somebody, a new writer, shared their work, you know, to get it betaed, and it came back to them, and it had been ripped to shreds, and they haven't really written since, and they don't post, and they don't publish. We've heard this story. This story is existing right now on this server. There is somebody on this server right now who's had that experience. And you don't you don't know if it's about. I mean, there are a couple of reasons why I think this happens. Um, we talked earlier about illusions of helpfulness, mm-hmm. um, and there's also this personality type. Now, sometimes I'll say something really blunt to somebody, and I'll jokingly say, "Honesty is my gift to you," but fundamentally, I'm not a mean ass person. So I'm never, I'm not brutally honest with anybody, unless I unless you give me no choice. Oh, Sarah, I'm so sorry. Um, but there are people who really enjoy hurting other people. Yeah, I would agree.
1: Um, toxic honesty is not helpful either. But I'll call this like we'll call this um tales from the acquisition editor's desk. It never fails that an acquisition editor rejects a book for publication, that they'll get a a response back. All of my friends and family love this. I don't know why you have a problem with it. All of my friends and family love this. And sometimes it in question is so awful that I don't believe for a second that all their friends and family love that.
0: Or they even read it.
1: Right. Or if, and if they did read it, They're, oh, yes, this is wonderful. You should submit it for publication. That's toxic enablement. Because encouraging someone to go out and get their ass kicked professionally is not helpful. It's not helping them grow. Telling them that something is absolutely wonderful is not helping them. But it never fails. It never fails that the worst thing that crosses the acquisition editor's desk is this person saying that you'll hear that a bazillion people have read and loved. And how come you have an issue with it? Well, it's like, they may have told you they loved it, but they were lying to you because nobody read this and loved it. And I don't mean to, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like mean with that, but there are some things, although man, there are some things that are written that are so offensive that it's like, it's shocking. It's honestly shocking. Um, But what I see, I see kind of a, that's, that's like an extreme example of like toxic enablement, but what I see in like writer circles, one of the things I like about writer circles is it's sort of like when, when I go into a group of writers to talk about something is I want to hear the pros and cons of something. I want to hear what is the upside of this idea? What are the downsides of this idea? And too often, especially in, in very fandom, fandom centric spaces, there's people don't ever present the downside. They just keep piling on the, the, I would almost call it the more ridiculous element, especially if there's anything that even lends itself a little bit towards something cracky. It will go from a little bit cracky or maybe crack taken seriously, or just kind of a little bit of a joke element into becoming the dominant theme of the entire story by the time a group of, you know, some, some, some groups of fan, fan writers will get done with it. And it's because, and this is my hunch on this, is because the other writers in these conversations I don't see this on Just Right that much, but I mean, definitely in other spaces. I think people on Just Right try to really mostly take things as a really serious approach to writing and, and look at it as trying to grow their craft. But anyway, but there are spaces that I've been in, the group that should not be named, where there's no discouragement. There's no, there's no, that's not really plausible or um, that isn't, you're gonna have a suspension of just belief issues, so how are you you know no question at all no how are you gonna lampshade that um I've talked to you guys before that there was a question somebody asked about would it would it be pl- plausible that someone would would staff from the best available scientific minds for a laboratory blind picks you know picking just the best people, like eight people, and that they would happen to all turn out to be lesbians? And that they would happen to pair off in groups of four groups of two. Happen to. And I'm like, and the way the phrase the question was phrased was, is it plausible? I was one of the first people to respond, and I just said no, it's not plausible. That ain't the way that works. Um but I was dogpiled for saying no. (laughs) Seriously. It was dogpiled for saying no. Everybody else was like, yeah. And I mean, it was practically like, oh, yeah, you should have 16 lesbians (laughs) by the time it was done. You should write whatever you want. I'm like, that wasn't the question. He didn't ask, can I write whatever I want? (laughs) That's a whole different question because, of course, you can. And that thread, as bizarre as it was. Is, it resonates in my mind as an example of toxic enablement in fandom because this was supposed to be ostensibly a writer's group not really but you know it's supposed to be um and he's asking a writing question about is this a plausible thing for me to base my as my story hook um and i took his question seriously and said uh-uh
0: well, so, like, my answer would have been no, too. But then I said, but if you want to do it, you need to lampshade it. And you need to lampshade it in such a way that the reader will buy into it. Whereas, say, instead of just happen to hire eight lesbians, why not have them hire four lesbian couples? On purpose.
1: Right. It, it's still kind of creepy, for particularly for the person in question, to be going out and seeking to hire lesbians, but, you know. I mean... I, I, you can lampshade that they're seeking lesbian scientists in some fashion, I suppose, but but it' was just it was just it was such a but that whole thread the way the thread went is like people just were like, oh yes, you could do this and you could do this it was just like and the more pi- it just got it kept getting more and more bizarre and less and less plausible. and I was like, man, the suspension of disbelief isn't even in the same galaxy as this thread. Um, and I think part of being honest, part of being honest in general being honest with yourself as well as how you pre- is looking at how would I want to be treated in this situation and projecting that and saying, you know, like Kira said, well, if you really wanted that, if it was really important to you to have, I don't know why that's important, but whatever. If it's really important to you to have this dynamic of these four lesbian couples, here's maybe a way you could lampshade that in. Um, if, if if it's not an important plot element, if it's not important, don't do it. It really is very implausible, and you're going to have a hard time. It, it's difficult lamp shading on a good day, and and or maybe ask the question: Why is this an important plot element when your main character
0: isn't one of these eight lesbians? Wait, what? You- <laughs> the main character wasn't one of the eight lesbians. <laughs> I just put
1: the, the main character in the, in, in the chat, which <laughs> well, is why- I, you know, maybe at heart. <laughs> anyway, so it's kind That's of a- crazy. I, So, I mean, you can ask yourself what would I want in my writing journey in this situation? And would I want somebody to ask me some questions and say, what are you getting out of this? How does this help your plot? Um, or And to gently lead me to the discovery that this is going to be a really hard thing to to, to get around the suspension of dis- disbelief issues. And the problem is what happens is what I see the frustration people get in. And I've heard, I've had this conversation then behind behind the scenes with people. is They get like 30,000 words down into the really bad idea that they really had no chance of being able to write their way out of. And they're frustrated because nobody told them, nobody said when they asked you know, on such and such server um, that they were going to run into these problems. And and I'm like, well, I, a few, a few pointed questions could definitely have helped could definitely have helped, but people are so busy trying to encourage, Oh yes, you should do that. You should write whatever you want. They don't appreciate maybe the frustration that that person's going to experience a, a couple months from now when they're in a plot crater and they don't know how to get out of it. Because they never had a chance, any chance with that plot crater to begin with, um, and I'm so I'm not saying I'm definitely not saying, um, you know, when people are you know dash people's dreams kind of thing. Um, yeah, it was supposed to be the eight lesbia- lesbians were supposed to be um, coincidence that they all have that eight for starters that they happened to be women and that they happened to be lesbians and that they all found love amongst their lab sisters. Um, whatever
0: <laughs> it's just like can you please put your lesbian fetish to the side thank you thank you so much and it wasn't even an important really critical part of the plot he just wanted eight lesbians working as for one this does. dude
1: this this dude um but just when you I I'm, I'm definitely don't, wouldn't want people to be, I, to- toxic honesty is not the goal, but when people are putting ideas out there, if something strikes you as strange, ask a question. Don't say that's stupid because that's toxic opinions, but ask a question. Well, how do you get from, from that to this? Um, how do you How do you resolve the inherent character conflict between a character that's a criminal and a character who is a member of law enforcement? I mean, you can ask those questions. Um, and if the person was like, wants to, if the person, if you ask the question, okay, here's the thing. If they, if you ask the question, how do you resolve the inherent contradiction? We'll use that example. The inherent contradiction between a character who is a criminal and a character who is a member of law enforcement, and they hand wave it away is not a problem. You're done. Move on. You've, you've seen, you've seen the characterization issue. You've pointed it out in a gentle way with a question they've handed it, waved it away that they don't care about that kind of character contradiction. So that kind of characterization issue is not one of their priorities. So you can just feel like, you can just go, okay, but, but you don't need to, you know, be like, oh, then it's a great idea. You can just go, okay, move on. Have fun with that. Have fun with it. You, you don't need to, here's one of the things I think that I get, I don't, think people need to feign a lot of enthusiasm, um, can be encouraging i think genuinely being being genuinely encouraging about somebody exploring their craft is more authentic than feigning enthusiasm for an idea you find silly because it's okay if you find somebody's idea silly you don't need to pretend to think it's great but you can still be genuinely encouraging of them exploring their craft, and I think that there's a real difference in that mindset and that approach. And that's, you know, you don't want to feel like because I was talking to somebody one day, and they were talking about how they feel like they're always on, they're always pretending when they're in a group of writers trying to pretend to be interested in these weird ideas people throw at them. And I'm like, you don't. That's not even. That's not even it. Um, You. It's not about. It's not about pretending to be on. Find a way to be authentic and be yourself. You can be encouraging of people, and encourage them to be in their craft, and encourage them to explore their writing, and be enthusiastic for them to do that, and not be jumping up and down and feigning um, interest in an idea that doesn't appeal to you. That's being genuine, and I think that's part of being honest with yourself and not making yourself feel like you're a fraud in a writing space. is figuring out how to be authentic without being brutally honest. And I don't even think it's that much of a balancing act. It's just a matter of being. Um,
0: it's a matter of being kind. That's Kira. I was just talking, but I was to, muted. Okay. What I was gonna say, what was I saying? Oh, is that you need to be judicious with your approval. I mean, it is one thing to be encouraging. It's another thing to wholeheartedly approve of something dumb. You don't got to say it's dumb. In fact, you shouldn't. But don't go all in on supporting it either. That's the toxic enablement thing. It's just not a good idea. No. Because then you'll get credit in their story notes. And you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> Perish the thought. Hey, please please don't put me in your author
1: note. I didn't mean it. But what's well, no, thinking? The worst part. The, what, the worst thing that happened is your is your fake enthusiasm... Could wind up being the reason that they write something that is, it could have been writing something else. And then they're like, I just want to thank Kira so much for encouraging me to write this. Um, and you're going, Kira's sitting there going, wait, 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 stop. I did what? I did not.
0: And, like, and then I'm getting emails, did you encourage so and so to write a story about eight lesbians? I- and Kira's like, eight lesbians? No, I did not. What? I've never even seen eight lesbians. <laughs> And this is where it's really helpful to have fibromyalgia. But I can just say, you know what? I have no idea. Maybe. <laughs> Are you okay, Boo? <laughs> fibro fibro fog is a thing and I will and I will use it to my best advantage.
1: <laughs> I do I think that it is a you could encourage someone to enjoy especially like I said, if you've asked a couple of careful questions to try to help them think through their issues. The issues that you see. And if they're rejecting your help. Because some people do. Um, you can move on with a clear conscience. And encourage them to enjoy writing their story. And not feel like you have. Encouraged them to write the silly. There's nothing wrong with some crack. There's nothing wrong with some good crack. But. Um, you know. We all encouraged Eli's email blog. We did. This yeah, is
0: We're all equally to blame for Elo's. For Eli's emo blog,
1: we also have no regrets. So,
0: not a damn one.
1: <laughs> um, but crack is a really different thing. Crack is a really different thing. So, um, one of the things I think that um you have to be careful about, and um, whenever I get to writing, I look for more outside, a little bit more of a more of an outside sanity check. We'll call it that. We'll call it an outside sanity check in the formative stages of my idea when I know I'm writing really from my id. Because, and we talked about this in a prior podcast, writing from your id, if especially if you don't pause to put some, some controls on your id, writing from your id is a lot like growing grocery shopping with a child alone with a child who's just throwing things in the in the shopping cart willy-nilly and you never bother to stop and check and see if you got all the ingredients you needed for dinner and then you get home and you're trying to make dinner with you know eight jars of star anise and nothing else um it's a problem so when you're when i when i am writing a lot from my id Um, And when I know I'm in that place of where I am doing things that I feel are really satisfying my id, I'm going to get a little bit more of a check from somebody who, who I trust to say, is this too much? Is this another jar of star anise? Or is, is is this, is this the oregano? Um, I, I, I need to know. No, I don't say that. (laughs) Um, uh, so I, that's for me, you know, so that's one of the things I think that writing from your id can be very comforting sometimes because especially when, you know, and all those, I will say if you're going to write, sometimes you just want to write from your id and not show anybody. I mean, you want the sky to fall and you want um, the most improbable couple to get together and, you know, you want the, somehow bizarrely they wound up on Mars at the end of it. <laughs> and somehow there was, and somehow there was breathable atmosphere, but you don't want to explain it, whatever. Um but then don't show it to anybody with eight lesbians, but then don't show that to anybody. Keep it to yourself. But it can be very comforting to just kind of let that, that part of yourself kind of off the chain. And we, sometimes we need that, especially sometimes we need that a lot lately. But if you're trying to do something for a challenge, or if it's going to be something you're going to post and that's your intention, (laughs) then no one can ever know folder. Have that person you trust to sanity check you and say, Star anise or no? You could just ask them. I mean, that's gonna be my code. Is this star? This is no jar of star anise.
0: It could be a little bit. There's like not a whole jar. Maybe like one or two. Just fish them out.
1: This comes that that whole star anise thing. Is, comes from um uh, going grocery shopping with my goddaughter once, and she I didn't notice that she was just heaving the stuff from the bottom, shut the bar up the bottom um row of the the spice section into the and it was all star anise so she's just heaving all these and i didn't notice that she had done this she just was dumping all these spices in and it was I, we, I think we had eight or nine bottles of star anise in the
0: That shit's expensive it is and i was
1: like i thought my, my bill was a little expensive i was like huh and i knew and things i had bought a bunch of um spices so i saw a lot of spice bottles anything of it um <laughs> And I got home and I was like, holy crap, what is this? And I knew immediately what had happened because she was always pulling stuff off of shelves and tossing in the cart and I wasn't paying attention. So it's always my visual for, um, you know, when my id is in the driver's seat, it was what it was like going grocery shopping with her. And, um,
0: and you know,
1: the eight bottles or 10 bottles, however many it was of Star Anise when I got home and I went.
0: I can just imagine taking those balls back to customer service. Like, yeah, there was a kid shopping with me and I don't have kids. I'm not a parent I went shopping with my
1: goddaughter She's three um, And now I have to return this
0: (laughs) I didn't know this was a thing Uh, I I like that one time My husband went to the grocery store And I, I said Okay, I gave him a list of things to get And he says, you know This was really, really expensive And I was like, really? Because it shouldn't have been And I looked at his receipt And this man had accidentally put 29 cantaloupes in the self-checkout instead of two, he hit the nine instead of the enter button. Wow. And so I take the receipt down to, to the grocery store. I go up to the customer service. I said, yes, I sent my husband shopping and we have an issue. And she says, what's the issue, honey? Do you need help getting whatever he bought back from their car? And I'm like, if he'd actually bought them, I would I would need your help, yes. But he bought two cantaloupes. And then I handed her the receipt. And she looked at it and she went, oh, we don't even have that many in stock. I can't believe it. Let you do this. <laughs> so he bought 27 imaginary cantaloupes. And made me take the receipt back to the grocery store to fix it.
1: Yeah, he made you return the 27 imaginary cantaloupes.
0: That's the problem. Yeah. (laughs) theoretical (laughs) cantaloupe. So, this is where
1: the person who toxic enablement is the person who says, well, we'll just make a great fruit salad out of those imaginary cantaloupes. It's like, no. Do not encourage him. What's the matter with you? So, be a good writing bro. Um, Do not or sis, I don't know. Whatever. I I, I use I use bro, pretty pretty um, gender neutral. But you do you boo. Um, be a good writing buddy and don't uh, just blindly. If people are on, if you're on a write in a writing space, and somebody's coming to you and they're saying in a group, should we? Sh- what do you think of this? Um, if you think it it's got, if you think it's a flawed idea, or you think it you don't have to say, oh, that's fucked up. Actually, I'd prefer that you didn't say, well, that's fucked up. But there are ways you can ask questions, like probing questions, gentle questions, and say, well, do you think you could do this? Or do you think you could do that? Or what do you think the consequences will be when they get back to Earth? Or um, there are ways you can kind kind of lead people to see what you see, and they may dismiss it. And then you've done your your duty as a good uh, member of your writing group and you can then say well enjoy writing that
0: there is an element there is an element always in a writing group where they don't actually want you to help them no they're not actually seeking any kind of advice from you they want attention right and you will quickly learn
1: You will quickly learn to
0: spot the
1: people who just want to air their ideas for attention rather than they actually want feedback. And, you know, after the first four or five times that you've attempted to, and you'll observe the side dynamic, you'll engage with it for a while. You'll start to notice they don't actually really want any feedback. They just want either praise or attention and you'll stop engaging. Cause this is one of those things where it doesn't take anything away from you to just ignore that. You just go, nah, okay. you know, I mean, there's somebody, there's somebody that I will never, ever plot with again, ever, because, you know, two or three, two or three, hey, Jillies, could you help me out kind of thing, and I sit down and help them out, sometimes for hours, and then they just go, oh, well, yeah, you've pointed out a lot of stuff about a lot of plot holes in my idea, but I just really like the idea the way it was better. I'm like, well, I can't believe I fell for this three times.
0: You were medicated, right?
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> it was the aughts. I was I definitely was medicated. I am shut up, Brian. She
0: judge was me. living in a state where pot was legal. Okay.
1: Let's no, not 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 at the time.
0: At I the was time. trying to help you out. <laughs>
1: But I did learn, I did learn from that. So now when I get into it with somebody who I can tell, they just want me to, I don't know why, it's like, I can, I've got a pretty good radar now for people who don't actually want help. They just want me to validate their idea. Um, And so I just, you know, I I bow out gracefully as quickly as I can.
0: This Uh, kind of person though, I'm a very toxic element in writing groups as a whole, Um, because it starts with bids for attention and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, they start doing more things for attention. They start lying about their productivity for attention. They start lying about their ideas. They start stealing your ideas for attention and daring you to say anything. You know, counting on you either to be too nice and say, hey, you know what? Actually, you just lifted my plot wholesale and I'm still writing it. I discussed it last week. And they count on you not to say that to be supportive of their brand new idea Mm -hmm. um and this kind of element gets really toxic really quickly next thing you know half your writing group is in therapy talking about this asshole to their therapist instead of dealing with their own issues or dealing with this jackass who's in their writing group and where does it end they're taking up too much time. They're taking up too much space in your brain and in um, your your writing group and in your writing in your landscape. And suddenly, you don't even have to figure out. You, imagine stress. You've got stress sitting right in front of you, and, and it can also get really difficult to share yourself as a writer when there's somebody in the group or who's corrupting the group dynamic. So you start trusting. You stop trusting that writing group. <laughs>
1: Sorry. Dark says so I joined a writing group That's- as therapy not to need therapy.
0: <laughs> right? Truer fucking words. Well, the problem is with that whole bad apple thing is that if you don't remove the bad apple from the barrel, the whole app the whole damn barrel is going to rot. You have to throw the whole thing out. Um, so, if you, have, if you have a toxic element in your group, you need to remove that toxic element before it creates a situation where people don't want to participate where they lose trust in the if it's like an online group they, they, they lose trust in the moderation team, the, the admins they um, grow they, the idea of entering this space becomes stressful because they don't want to encounter this person who's making their lives hell just by existing and we've all been there Either like in like in real life or in online environments where there's this one person who's just ruining it for everyone. Ruining it.
1: And whether it doesn't have to you could even if you can't even if you're even if you're listening to this and you're not a writer and you can't like quite get there, imagine it in your gaming community, the that one person who fucks it up for everyone. Or um in um, in, in whatever kind of social group you're in, whether you're in like an art group or you get together with a bunch of, I don't know, knitters or you go quilt with people, that one person who just makes it miserable for everybody. And it it can, it's it's not an easy thing to correct, except it also is. It just can take time and um, awareness of the problem and somebody willing to get in and deal with it. But I think real life situations are a little bit harder than online in a lot of ways, because in real life situations you have potentially a lot of different dynamics to to deal with. Um, But when it comes to online situations and a lot of times people, the situation has become toxic gradually and the person um, who is responsible for, and sometimes they need a wake up call. It's like, you're sacrificing the entire group for one person. You realize that, right? Do you realize you're choosing the entire group for this one person?
0: Um, and-, and it could be because you're conflict avoidant or yeah. you're worried um, how this person is going to respond, um, how aggressive they're going to be in your space, how aggressive they're going to be in other spaces. Are they going to be talking about you? Are they going to make people hate you? Um and these are legitimate concerns. And if it's, in, if it's in real life space, there's also the potential for interpersonal violence. So right now, this person is just this entitled toxic asshole who has to have their attention on them. But if you call them out for that, how are they going to respond? Are they going to like make a Facebook page and villainize you to the entire planet? Um, get on Twitter and let every... Twitter, can you stop? Can you stop? Because whenever I go over to post on Twitter, it, it has a little world, a little globe and then it says, everyone can reply. I don't need this from you, Twitter. I don't want the whole planet to be able to reply to my stuff. That was a little soapbox. It's very no, anxiety-inducing I, to go over to Twitter and see that little globe. I, f- I feel it, though. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I don't want everybody to be able to, know. Just read my stuff, but don't send me any replies. <laughs> just... So yeah, maybe they do try to get more attention or maybe they, you know, build a whole web page and call you an asshole or they get on Twitter and spend six months, you know, bashing you. Um, or Twitter makes me very anxious and I don't know why it's like, I mean, I don't have that response to any other social media platform, but Twitter makes me really anxious. And it's just like,
1: um, I think, yeah, I, I think it's because it, it, for me, one of the reasons why Twitter makes me really anxious is because um, it has sort of a it's become kind of really toxic in the in its way of like abuse. Um, like people really will dogpile and on and Twitter. Um, but actually, as a platform in terms of the way it works, I find uh, Tumblr more anxiety provoking.
0: I can't, I can't tumble, y'all. I can't. I can't make it work. It's just silliness. I
1: mean, I, it's just the design of it. It's just... Actually, that's what I would call Tumblr shouting into the void. Because it, it is really one direction.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, people might reply to you on Tumblr. But it's really hard to tell. <laughs> there's, At least for me.
1: Well, people leave their notes, but the thing is, sometimes it's really hard to follow all the good notes to a to a post. Like, somebody puts up a post that's really good, and you want to follow all the good content. But you have to follow, like, 15 different threads, potentially. It's just really vexing. Oh, Bri, go get in the corner. I'm going to put you in the cinnamon, just, just for being patronizing about us struggling with social media.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The only reason I get on Tumblr is to look for stuff from my game. And by my by game, I mean Sims 4. That's where all the good content is. That's where all the good CC is.
1: I pretty Um, much only go, I pretty much only go to Tumblr when somebody links, somebody's running a challenge off of it. I'm like, why are you running this here? (laughs) I've always, I'm always judgy about it. I'm always like, why? So, but when it comes to sort of uh, solving that sort of toxic situation in, in an online group, whether it's a gaming group or a writing group, and in our case, we're talking more about a writing group, of course, it is about... It, this, these things can take time to sort themselves out or they don't sort themselves out, but it can take time to get resolved because it's all interpersonal dynamics and, you know, but if you're uncomfortable in, a, in an online situation, especially if it's a, your writing group, you should say something to an admin or a moderator, figure out a nice way to say it and say, you know, there's a dynamic here that's kind of making me
0: uncomfortable. Um,
1: I just would want to bring it to your attention.
0: I see see, nine times out of 10, the admin or the moderator is already going to know about it. Um, And you letting them know that you're also seeing it is helpful. But there is that one time where they're not going to know and they need to know. And maybe you're the first one to tell them, but you probably won't be the last. (laughs) So, But
1: either way, it's helpful because it's helpful. It's helpful for them to know that how many people, and problem is affecting and it's helpful for them to know if they didn't already know so either way it's good um because if they're like okay well this is affecting two people out of 100 is it worth you know keying this person um off of my game server or whatever um what if it's actually affecting 60 people out of 100 but you know 58 people are trying to be polite about it well that's not helpful so If there's a dynamic, when you're in a writing group, and usually there's somebody in charge, whether it's, there's usually a facilitator or a moderator in a, in meet space. And in a, an online space, there's an admin or moderators. um, Go to the person who's, who you feel most comfortable with, who's in charge and say, hello, there's a dynamic here that makes you a little uncomfortable. Can we discuss it? And share with them how you feel. And it helps always in these circumstances, if you are worried about how this will be received, is that you make it about your experience and how this is affecting you, as opposed to, you know, things external to yourself. You know,
0: also, I f- if you get nervous or you have like you have anxiety over stuff, stuff like this, before you contact the person, the ad or the moderator, write it out, write all of it down or type it out, and so that you have it, so you can copy and paste it, you know, make your first contact and say, I've got a problem, Um, I'm, I'm, there's something that's bothering me, there's a dynamic, ever how you want to phrase it, and then after they respond, and they're open to to having a conversation with you, put the thing that you've typed in advance into the box and hit send, that way you've removed that whole moment where you're writing in the moment what's going on with you, i find it very helpful to write in advance when i have a problem it's just me
1: no i i completely agree i even write it out in advance like my little notes when i have to you know call and bitch somebody out on the phone just because but that's more a case of where i don't want to miss anything specific that they need to be bitched out about you know i don't want to leave anything off right it's like you need to be bitched out about six things and i don't want to accidentally only bitch you out about four
0: i'm gonna check them off as i do them so you just just bear with me a minute (laughs) So buckle up, let's get going.
1: And this comes back to that honesty thing also is, are you uncomfortable in your writing space is, um, whatever they may be, whether it's your group, if you in a group on Facebook, if it's here on discord, if it's wherever you may be, if it's in meet space, are you uncomfortable? Are you dreading participating in your writing group? If the answer is yes, it is worth looking at why. Is it a person who's putting you off? And the lovely thing about online is that you can block people for the most part. There are some people who can't block people. I mean, one of the downsides for the most part to being actually a moderator on the server is you pretty much can't block people because you have to be, if you're going to moderate, you have to be able to see their shenanigans,
0: but anybody else, if it's a person you want to block, then you damn well know they're going to have shenanigans,
1: right? Um, but if you actually are so fed up with somebody and you're a moderator that you definitely need to be talking to me about how miserable you are with somebody because you're like, I, wish, I really wish I could just block them. I'm like, well, you, what? you need to share this with me. Uh, but part of that introspective honesty, it's not just about your craft. It's about your environment, too. This person is making me miserable. I literally don't want to write if they're anywhere near me. And that could be in meat space, too. It could be there's somebody in your life who you just, is so toxic for you that if they're in your visual range that you cannot write with them around. Look how in dare which, that bitch
0: wear clown socks in public? Mm, that's terrible. <laughs>
1: that's a, that's a, that is the <laughs> sin of all sins. Um, and some things you can just move, right? I can just move get away from some things, move to a different table and go to a different Starbucks, whatever. But other things you can't necessarily get away with, get away from. If you've got like some, you know, you know, you're, you're living in a lockdown situation and you've got an asshole brother or something you're stuck with for the next nine months. (laughs) What do you do? What do you do? And that's where you can like figure out how to problem solve. It's like, I can't write when this asshole's in the room. I was like, well, can we get you a place to write that he's not in the room? Um, and, and that's where it's important that you be honest about what your discomfort is. Is it, is it just that you can like hear them, they can interrupt you. Will headphones help? If headphones won't help, if you can't even be visually seeing this person because they piss you off so bad, maybe you need to sit on your bed and write. Maybe you need to write longhand. And so the creative part is done when you're like in your bedroom and then all you're doing when you're around this jackhole is you're, you're just transcribing. Yeah. Judge my turn of phrase.
0: No, I, I love the- it. It's great.
1: So I know Bri, it's a it's it's a weird concept for
0: Oh, you didn't know what I meant. She means handwriting. She means writing oh, baby. with your physical hand and a
1: pen. <laughs> I feel so old.
0: Bri, did they teach you cursive writing in school? Me and Ellie are on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't write in cursive. Oh, you learned outside of school? I literally don't know
1: anybody whose letters all look like that. Everybody has some adaptation of some letter. Because <laughs> anybody who embraced that that capital Q, we need to have words. Um, well, Bri, then you can definitely do uh, it super old-fashioned
0: longhand. When I was younger, I did have that capital Q. Oh, Arate. <laughs> but as I got older, um, I stopped.
1: I have no time for that capital Q. <laughs> I agree with you, Shadow, that is a two. Um, I'll be honest, my big Z and my little Z look exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, mine too, it's just about I size. Don't, I don't do that big Z, it's that that's silliness. Um, but about, the, so with the honesty thing, if, if, if there's something you're writing that, when you're feeling inhibited, like, okay, I don't want to write, not not this whole concept of writer's block, but I don't want to write. You gotta sit down and be honest with yourself about what is what is going on. And sometimes it's something internal. This is where you got to get into your own GMC, right? Is it, have I got some uh, some external stuff going on or is this an internal thing? And if it's something external in your environment, that's when you get online with your bitches and you go, okay, i got to problem solve this thing because I'm really in my own head and I don't see an easy solution. And there may not be an easy solution, but it still can help to get some outside perspective. When it comes to things that are more internal, um, that can still be something you can talk through, either with a therapist, a close friend, or if it's a writing thing, specifically to um, I'm struggling with way to get past this issue and I don't know how to deal with it. Find somebody who's really good at that. Talk to them about it, and figure out how to problem solve that thing. But you have, to, but if it's a toxic person, if it's this external force that is just making you miserable. And maybe it's because you just maybe what's making you miserable is because every time you're around them, you want to go, oh, shut up. And you can't because that's rude. Um, then that's when you need to contact the facilitator, the person who runs the group or the moderator, if it's an online space and say, I am so fucking miserable. You know, this is just I'm not having a good time. I'm fighting with myself to stay polite. So it's easy for me just not to be there and and just let them know. And maybe you can even say, I'm not asking you for a solution right this second. I just want to let you know that this is impacting me and how it's impacting me so that you didn't think that it was a nothing. Because it, people need to know these things. And and if honestly, if you come at it with that a, a situation like that, with, with that kind of approach of like, I'm miserable and I just want you to know, I, I'm not asking you for anything. I just wanted to share my frustration with you and they're a dick about it. That's probably not a great space for you to be in. Cause I honestly cannot stand being in an online space where people or admins and moderators put up a, a front of, let me know if you need anything or tell me if there's a problem. And then they're an asshole to you when you do.
0: Yeah. I don't have any time for that. And you shouldn't either. If, if you encounter that, just, just leave by there is a new place to go. Always. there. There's always something new. somewhere more supportive and um, friendly and inclusive. What to do if you encounter someone who complains all the time? Well, That's toxic in itself, isn't it? And there are some people who are genuinely incapable of being happy. You could give them a solid gold dick and they would complain that it was too hard, but it wouldn't be because gold's not hard by itself. Gold's kind of malleable. That's why you have to mix it with something else.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's very malleable. Real gold, I mean, squish. I mean, not quite literally. It's not like silly putty, but it's pretty damn soft. Um, I mean, you can, you can like reshape it. With your, with your, well, I don't mind. It's not. I mean, I've held, I've, I've handled real gold. Like if you took 24 karat gold and made it into a ring, you could squish that ring flat pretty easily.
0: Yeah. So solid gold would be something that you could actually mold with your own hand. So you'd want to, you know, mix it with nickel if you wanted to make something that's you know, something sustainable that you could actually use for sex, um, but not for me because I'm actually a, a allergic to nickel. Yeah. Nickels, a nickels would not be my my alloy of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, not unless I wanted to be really itchy, um, which no, yeah, you know, I would not, with, with um, people, with people you can who hear somebody a solid platinum dick and they would complain about it. <laughs> right.
1: Glass. Oh, glass. The glass. Thing about glass. Glass is very hard and unforgiving. Um,
0: it is, it is. You can actually, you know,
1: it's also, it's, it's sort of shockingly unforgiving. Um, and it also, which can be fine sometimes, but it also is I find it can be uncomfortable temperature wise. I mean you really need to set that in a in a very carefully moderated you know, temperature bath ahead of time because
0: Yeah. I mean un- unless you like the extreme. And some people do. I don't, I don't. Um and also I honestly feel like glass toys are more of a hardcore element than say a regular like silicone. Dildo. Well, I I feel
1: or like plug. glass. I feel like glass is intended for its aesthetic, so it's like the plug is intended. Like I don't I don't understand the point of a glass dildo, but like a glass plug, I think
0: there's an aesthetic there for that. Um, well, I mean, just like from a sexuality point of view, if I'm putting a big giant piece of glass and that's made for it, I mean that's a, that's really harsh. That because because it is. It feels, it, but you
1: have the same thing with metal. I mean, you put up something yeah. metal and you,
0: it's like, whoa. Whoa. It, it can be really unforgiving. They're very. So sque- you can't squeeze, uh, you can squeeze a silicone like you would you a can, regular dick. You squeeze around something glass, it's like, that wasn't very fun. I mean, it can almost get like, this is going to sound weird, but claustrophobic. <laughs> it's just like, you've got nowhere to go with that. It's like, hmm. it does what it wants.
1: <laughs> and it wears you out quick too. Yeah, um, yeah. You you fuck with something glass or metal, and it's like, okay.
0: Um, so that's so that's why I would consider it a hardcore kind of toy. It's like one, two, um, three. Oh, I'm done. Oh, you got that out. So I'm right done. Now. I'm I'm super done. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't. You do not wear a glass toy. A glass toy wears you. This is true. It's a hundred percent true. <laughs>
1: so as for the person who complains i have a i have a friend that actually can't talk all that much but i every time i every time i i've actually stopped asking them how they're doing i've learned this lesson a long time ago because after years of contacting them i never could say the simple greeting of how are you doing without getting a 10 minute at least a 10 minute litany of all the things that were wrong in their life and it was like we couldn't even exchange courtesies simple courtesies without her feeling like she had to, she couldn't even just say things are. She, she couldn't even just say I, about the same. How are you doing? She ha- it's like she felt like she was gonna, I don't know, lose her. You know, I'm miserable. Cred, if she didn't give me the full list, um, and it's it was exhausting. It was exhausting to 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 have that. So I stopped asking how she was doing, and she noticed eventually that I wasn't asking that pleasantry, how are you doing? Because she always asked me, how are you doing? And I usually, unless something major was going on, would say, if things are going okay, or they're going as good as they can be, or whatever. Um, but she'd always ask me, and I would never return the sentiment. Um, I would say something like, oh, we're doing okay. Um, what have you been up to would be more of a common thing for me to ask. Like, specifically, what are you doing? I'm not, so one time she asked me, she says you know, you never asked me how I'm doing. I said, yeah, I know. I I made the choice not to ask you that question. And she said, well, why not? And I said, because it felt like it was pressure. I know things aren't going well for you. And I didn't want you to feel pressured to feel like you had to tell me all of those things just because I was asking you how you were doing. And I also don't want to hear it. Um, <laughs> that was
0: very eloquent. <laughs>
1: I said, so I made the choice to ask you what you were up to, what you were doing, rather than ask you how you are, so that you could choose what she would share from your life rather than feeling like you had to give me the list list of all the things that weren't going well. (sighs) Dig, dig, dig. I mean, I I made a couple little subtle digs in there, but mostly I was trying to be like not an asshole about the whole thing. But I honestly got to the point that I just couldn't stand asking her how she was doing because, uh, um... I'm not sure if she took the hint or not. She's she I, I don't know if she was offended. It was it was it was, a little, it was a little inscrutable. I didn't you know, sometimes I don't hear from her for a while and so it was hard to t- tell if I didn't hear from her over that or something else, but I I did eventually hear from
0: her again. Um so I mean I don't know. Some people are very invested in their victimhood. Very. And I don't mean the discussion of a traumatic event in order to relate to somebody during a conversation um, when it's appropriate to do so, when you're trying to show sol- solidarity. I mean, in that if you tell them you have a cold, they have pneumonia. And if you tell them you broke your little toe, they fell off a mountain and broke their whole leg. So it's, it goes back to honesty. They are so invested in their victimhood that they will lie their ass off to make their circumstances worse than yours.
1: It is a kind. Of, that's it's a really toxic one-upmanship. Like, oh, my situation is worse than yours. But I think in some people's case, like I think in in her case, it was like if she ever were to say, like I felt like she was kind of in a rut, and she knew she was in a rut. This was just my outside, you know, amateur armchair psychologist going on. If she, I knew, she, I think she knew she was in a rut, and if she were to admit that things were going okay, that she would be expected to get out of her rut that there would be expectations placed on her to get on with it and just stop, stop with this cycle that she's in. So she was deeply invested in everybody around her, understanding how miserable she was about every little thing. So people would understand that she had a reason for being in her rut. She was using her rut as her reason to remain paralyzed at, at, at where she was in her life. So she was deeply invested in, in it and her, her litany of complaints was her excuse. So she had to be sell people on it.
0: Well, that's all about, all back to disempowerment, right? Right. And,
1: you know, but the thing is, the thing is anybody who's got any kind of chronic illness or whatever knows that just because you're having a good day or a better day than yesterday, doesn't mean that the chronic illness goes away. So you don't need to constantly sell people on the idea that, you're still got whatever you've got. Um, So yes, in an online space, you can also get the chronic complainer, the person who just wants to bitch about everything, or the person who thinks that that they're just gonna constantly point out every little thing that is going on on your server and suggest a way that it could be improved. Well, we could fix this if we would just implement another rule. Well, we could fix this if we just implement another rule. And it's like, no. I don't want to live in a rule. I don't want to live in a, in a social space or even a writing space where there are so many rules that I I would need to recruit 50 moderators.
0: To, to enforce the rules because of one person.
1: Because one person feels the need to micromanage everything. And, and the thing is, they're micromanaging to probably their anxiety issues would be my guess. And it's coming across as incessant complaining. And the way I would probably handle that the way i actually have handled this in the past is try to tell them that they need to kind of work on their anxiety i say it nice but it's like i think you're kind of anxious about some stuff and there's stuff that's bothering you in this that is not bothering other people and i'm not going to inflict a bunch of rules on a bunch of people that this is working for because it, it it's making you anxious so we can strategize how you can be more comfortable without inflicting unnecessary rules on others or you can just figure out how to figure out how to get comfortable with this but um you know managing this is not the way to manage your anxiety micromanaging everybody else's experience to curb your anxiety isn't isn't going to work and that's where some of the the chronic complaining will come from with some people and you know it's one of those things i think when you've been in online spaces moderating or as an admin for a long time you kind of learn the different shades of the complainers or the toxic people and what is this? What is it that I'm I'm dealing with right now? Um, and a lot of the chronic complainers are struggling with anxiety and they are trying to micromanage the space. And it's like, if you want to micromanage a space to that degree so that you can feel comfortable, you need to go get your own space and micromanage it that way. And then their answer is usually, but nobody would be there. Well, that's the trade-off. I used to I used to do this adult discussion forum. There was a lot of things on this forum, but I was recruited to kind of be a conversation starter, kind of. It was sort of, I was a moderator on this one specific forum talking about kink and to try to keep like every week I would introduce a discussion topic. And then um, it was a lot, a lot keeping things on topic for the week in that thing. And then in the other kink channels, trying to kind of, um, you know, enforce the rules about what was being discussed and stuff. We had a couple people who would ping me about how we should structure the King discussions to make sure that they were maximally productive. And I'd be like, you understand that this is supposed to be fun, not productive, right? This is a social space, not a how-to-get-laid space. It is not a workshop. And managing those like two people who were trying to manage me into making this kink discussion into what they wanted it to be, was easily 75% of my work as a moderator for that discussion forum. It was exhausting just managing these two people who were trying to tell me how to talk to people about kink.
0: Whatever. I'm making a face over here right now that's actually making my nose hurt because it's pushing my glasses. But they had this idea that we would have productive. I'm like, what is a productive kink
1: discussion? What is the matter with you? And they couldn't even sometimes like this one guy could not really articulate what he meant, but part of it was he didn't like the the discussion, some of the discussion topics I was picking, picking. Um, and I was like, we actually have established channels for like all of the stuff that you are bringing up. I'm bringing up kinks that we don't often talk about. So I get that you may not be into Bastinato. I'm not into it myself, but that's what we're talking about this week. So go sit down and be quiet. You don't have to flog the bottom of people's feet if you don't want to. This is not about being productive. We are talking about it.
0: Just Look as a key guys, general, you don't have to Google it now.
1: <laughs> that was one of my topics one week. I'm like, well, this is what we're going to talk about this week. I put that up there, and people are like, in "What context do we well, talk about this?" I'm like, "What do you think? What do you think? In what context could could this be hot? If you're not into it, if you are into it, you know." how did you get into it? Let's talk. Actually, that was one of our biggest discussion makes think I remember it was bastinado.
0: <laughs> People were like, what, what the hell? Huh? It like, <laughs> was like, but it's feet. I'm like, yes, I know it's feet moving on. There are whole magazines dedicated to feet. Feet's a big kink. I don't understand. Cause I think feet are disgusting.
1: <laughs> feet foot fetish is a really, But The thing is a lot of foot fetishes are not into bastinado. They're
0: like, mm, no, um, no, they just want to lick your feet, and or your come st- on them. Yeah, whatever.
1: But it was just it was just so weird that such a big amount of my time in figuring out what the topic was going to be and how to structure the initial post. Because I would structure the initial post like here are some talking points, here are some things to think about, here's where you can read about this. You know, so I do a little bit of research and I come up with like this: is what we're going to talk about. Go over here and read about it if you want here are some videos you could look at or here are some pictures you could look at if you want to see this kind of in an erotic context to kind of give people some um some like context for what we were talking about and then and then kind of let it go and say let the community take off with it for a while and then if if kind of things were lagging or getting weird then i would step in and say well that's probably a little judgy or whatever but Despite all of that, despite the research and and the, the structuring and the keeping tabs throughout the week and and trying to further the conversation, and seventy five percent or so, seventy five percent, eighty percent of my time was spent on these two people trying to micromanage. I was like, and I finally, I was just, I was so close to just saying, "I don't even want to hear from you guys again." And actually, they did go over my head to the owner of the admin of the the forum to bitch about the fact that I wouldn't take their suggestions. Um, and the oh, admin so they weren't said, weren't mods." No. They were participants. (laughs) (laughs)
0: thought they went over. shut their (laughs) potholes.
1: But they went over. I was trying to be nice. I was. I was. I was. I was much younger. I was trying to be very nice. So, they went over my head to the admin. She copied me on the response and said, that and I didn't know this. The participation on the kink forum, that particular forum, had gone up by like eight hundred percent since I took over. And she didn't want to hear it. (laughs) She's like, I don't want to hear it. I just want to hear it. She's doing fine. Shut up. <laughs> I do not consent to your unsanctioned moderation. <laughs> but, so the complainer, a complainer can be a big problem for sure. Um, I don't I remember who asked I that. About we
0: told the- them not to put Julie in the corner. <laughs> just saying.
1: So we have had um, in our various social spaces, complainers in the past, but they eventually figure th- out that they aren't going to get very far with it. But there is a difference between being a chronic complainer and pointing out something that is making
0: you uncomfortable. And maybe it's something that we can do something about. And maybe it's something that you need to do something about personally for yourself. Um, because, like, if someone came to me and complained about how everybody was chatting in the Lucifer channel and instead of chatting in the Harry Potter channel and they're not in the Lucifer channel and there's nobody in there talking to them. I can't do jack shit about that. I'm not gonna make people come talk to you. And I wish that was actually not a complaint I'd gotten, but it was right. But but you know somebody came to me one day
1: <laughs> and they said can I block somebody on the server? And I was like I was like I'm like yeah of course like I just want to be sure that it's okay, and I was like, is something wrong? And then they, you know, I, I wanted to know if something was wrong, and they're like, they're just driving me bonkers. And they they had their own solution. They they wanted this, and they had and they had a good reason. This person was definitely driving them bonkers. Um, and they're like, is it is it a problem that I, they needed wanted me wanted to know if it was against the rules or anything for them to block somebody? I'm like, block away. I actually envy you that you can. <laughs>
0: On the other side of it is, if you feel the need to block an, an admin or a moderator, you need to let us know. <laughs> let the other admin know if you want to block the other admin and tell them why. Because we need to be able to you know message you if something comes up. <laughs> and if it's a moderator, we need to know if there's a problem. Like, there was a problem on one of the um, Sims discords that I... Um, belonged to, or there was a moderator who was sexually harassing members of the group. Wow. And it had been going on for quite a while. And, um, no one was complaining. And then when someone finally did complain, it was like an avalanche. And, you know, the problem with The Sims is that there's a large age range in The Sims. Um, as far as, like, playing. I mean, the game is 25 years old. Like, when it originally came out. Um, think it's 20 25 um and so and we're on the fourth generation of the game but there are people as young as 12 and 13 years old playing the sims so there were a lot of different people of different age groups on this particular server um now i prefer that everybody on crossroads being adult um same thing for just right because we have adult topics um but this moderator had no, idea, had no way of knowing how old any of these participants were. And maybe that was part of the thrill. I don't know. I'm speculating on that. Um, but it was just like, oh, my God. Not on, I mean, not only are you doing this, but you could potentially have been doing it to a child. Wow.
1: That's messed up. That is really messed up.
0: I left that server. Um, but there was another um, server that I was on where one of the moderators was just generally abusive. And no one was saying anything. So, just having moderator privileges does not mean that somebody's not capable. I think that all our moderators are really awesome and great and they wouldn't do any of these things. Um, but if a moderator is making you uncomfortable, we need to know. Yeah.
1: And people, and the funny thing is, people think there's a couple of mindsets. People think one of a few things, they'll think that surely somebody else has complained. Not necessarily. You'd be surprised at how long people will let things go, or they'll also be thinking, "Surely somebody else's complaint," or they think, "Well, surely the admins have seen this, and they must, and they're not doing anything about it, so they must approve of it." Um, there is a shocking amount. So, like, let's look at Crossroads. Crossroads can some days there is so much. There are th- I'll log in, and there are thousands of new messages. Y'all really overestimate my ability to keep up think that I can read every message that gets posted to Crossroads. I don't. Um, I I can't. Um, There are actually some channels I almost never go in. I'll go in periodically and just kind of look to see if there's been a kerfuffle. But one of the reasons why we have so many moderators on Crossroads and that I asked people about their fandom interests when we recruited them was because I wanted to be sure that there was people who would be in, at some point, in all the fandom channels to kind of keep an eye on things. Because I can't keep up with all of this. I almost never go to the gaming channels. Honestly, that's like here. I let Kira deal with that. (laughs) Um. So, but there's this assumption people have. Well, surely an admin or a moderator has seen this and they're ignoring it, so it must be okay. No, that's really a really potentially a, a flawed conclusion because it could be I'm asleep and I it you know, or I have was sick, or Kira was sick, or we've been offline, or we're in the middle of a crunch um, on one of the challenges, and we're just very surface level skimming what's going on on the server, on the server. And even on a day when I'm active on the server, the odds that I'm reading more than 10 or 15 of the channels, pretty slim. So I love that we've got a lot of people with a lot of diverse interests on the server, but I can't keep up with the amount of content
0: that is on the server. That's why we have a big mod team. So, if on the other side of it, we we have a rule about underage, we don't allow it. Um, but there are fandoms that I don't know. I don't know the characters, I don't know how old they are. So if you see something happening in a fandom channel where that it's happening and a moderator isn't doing anything about it, you need to let us know because we probably don't realize what it is. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a big problem. And take that context with you everywhere because you can't assume that all the moderators and all the admins on any server that you're on or any forum that you're on or any Facebook group that you're on have all the knowledge that you have regarding a circumstance. And if you see something that's severely out of line, if you don't feel comfortable going to the admin or a mod about it, you need to leave that group because they're obviously not creating an environment for you where you, where you feel safe to do so. So to guard your mental health, when you see something that's fucked up and you feel like you can't report it, remove yourself from that fucked up situation so you can take care of you. Because I would. Absolutely. But I'm not, I'm not somebody who would hesitate to tell anybody about themselves because that's the kind of asshole I am. But that's just me as an individual. Um, and I don't expect that from everybody. I want you to feel comfortable. To come to me and say hey this, this is a problem. That I'm experiencing on this. And this is happening and you know. Maybe you have a screenshot. Share the screenshot. Um, if you don't just you know, you can give me a link. Or a time period I'll find it myself. Um, but if you're not comfortable doing that. Then you need to do what's best for you. Whether it's you know. Muting the server for a couple of weeks. Or um, going over to the contact form. And sending an anonymous. <laughs> an anonymous message. <laughs> You, so you, you, so do what you, what you' gotta, gotta doing <laughs>
1: yeah i mean i i would hope that people would feel comfortable coming to me i mean one lady came to me one day and um she said it was it was the can i block somebody question it was another can i i've actually gotten this can i block people question about six or eight times and anytime it happens i actually do want to know what's going on not because they can't block somebody but because if there's a problem i would really like to know what's happening that is so toxic that they need to block somebody so that I can get out and kind of see- get ahead of it. All they have had to just hate this person, which, you know, go block. You're welcome to your Bear. grudge. You're welcome to your grudge. Go forth and block. But in this context, um, she was really bent about something that was said in one of the channels. And I went and read it. I got really bent when I read it. And then Kira read it. Kira got really bent. And then Kira read again. And she said, "I think we're reading this the wrong way." And I went and read it, and I went, I went and read it again, and I read it through a different, from a different lens. And I said, "Huh, I think you're right. I think that, I think she's saying the opposite of what we think she's saying. But it sure is not coming across that way. It just is coming across as obnoxious." So I went back to the original, the original person. Once we kind of sorted this all out, because Kira talked to the person who said the obnoxious thing, because it was really over the line either way. Yeah. Kira talked to the person who said the obnoxious thing and told them, dial it down. And they did find out they meant it in this second way, the the less obvious way. The sarcastic way that came off as. Serious. They meant it sarcastically. It came off as serious. Um, and it was ugly. So um, Kira, Kira had that conversation of you need to dial it down and watch how you f- say things. Um, because this is the internet. It is not. Um, There's no voice inflection or facial expression to let us know that you're being snarky. You're going to have to figure out how to phrase things better. So, and then I went back to the person who was like, can I block this person and said, so here's the deal. She meant it sarcastically. She's like, Oh my God, I am so sorry. And I'm like, no, 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 I was offended too. (laughs) (laughs) So she's a very literal person. I am super literal. So um, when I read something, I'm going to be like, what?
0: Your sarcasm we, better be really obvious Do we need to call the cops Like right? in your neighborhood And like get them like Check their basement <laughs>
1: I'll tell you guys about this thing That happened on Facebook one night That's almost literally what, what Kira's talking about So anyway so I tell this person I said so I think it was sarcasm we, We've conferred it to sarcasm We've deleted the whole thing because it was ugly Even sarcastically it was an ugly thing to say I, and, she, and she apologized I said no don't, don't apologize You don't need to apologize for saying that and if you want to block them, you still can go ahead and block them. Because if you find, you know, her method of communicating to just be more than you can deal with, go ahead and block. I don't want you to feel like you can't tell me if you've got a problem. And even if you misinterpret something that happens, I would rather you talk to me than just be unhappy. Anyway, the literal thing on Facebook one night, which was actually, we had somebody in, in our group get really drunk one night. And start posting all this weird stuff. I mean, weird stuff. Um, And I couldn't tell if she was being serious or not.
0: Right? Is that the one that was at the thing? In the hotel? Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: she had been making these jokes about being sexually assaulted. Which I kept deleting. I was deleting them. And I sent her messages. Do not make jokes about being sexually assaulted. It ain't funny. Well, then she got really plastered. And she all of a sudden starts posting in the group about how she feels stuck in this hotel with these guys who won't let her out of their room. (laughs) Mind you, at this point, I'm just like, I can't tell if she's being serious because I've been taking her seriously all night. And I don't know if she's serious or not at this point. I don't know if she's making another one of her tasteless jokes because she's, you know, and I was just so... So I go and get on DM with her and I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, no, I'm not, I don't know what to do. I'm like, where are you right now? And she's telling me and she's miserable and she's unhappy and she doesn't know how to get out of this room. I said, I want you to give me the room number you're in and the hotel you're in. I'm gonna call the front desk and I'm gonna tell them to come up and get you out of that room. She's like, that probably is a little overreacting. I'm like, no, no, it's not overreacting. We think you're a hostage. (laughs) This is full mom mode has been engaged and I'm not a mom. So you're just going to have to, if you're going to post shit like this, you are just going to have to buckle up and deal with this overreaction right now. Um, And then I left her a message when it was all said and done. When you're sober, you need to DM me. We need to talk. (laughs) So day and a half later, she writes me. She says, you said we needed to talk. I'm like, oh yeah, we do. Let's talk about where you post and what is appropriate.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about getting drunk with people that you barely know. <laughs> Let's talk about
1: posting in a social group in on Facebook, basically saying that you're being held hostage. Um I don't think she was really being held hostage. I think she was too drunk to figure out how to get out of the situation. Sort of that sort of, oh no, baby, kinda sit. You'll be you're okay. Sit down, have another drink, kind of thing. She was a little too drunk to figure out how to get, get out of it. Did I call the front desk? Yes.
0: Did they go get her dumb ass? Yes. I assume so.
1: <sighs> anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But, but I, I'm DMing her online all, all, all at that point. I go, is this serious? is serious. This serious. Are you being sexually assaulted right now? Because, you know, somebody posts something like that. And I'm going to take it seriously. And I was just, I was so fed up. I was like, you cannot post things like this, saying it sarcastic to somebody who is literal. I'm going to assume that you're telling me the truth. I was so so annoyed. And then, you know, and I was like, and then we get to the boy who cried wolf thing situation. I'm like, okay, now I think she actually is in trouble, but I can't tell hundred <laughs> percent. Right? <laughs> exactly dark. She's got her phone in her hand. Why aren't you calling for help? Why are you posting about it? <laughs> Facebook. I don't know what to do. Call the police. How about that? Pick up the room phone and press zero. I mean, do something but anyway um so when you're being so we'll, we'll wrap we'll pull this back to where we start where we started which is being honest with yourself when it comes to your writing especially there are a lot of things that can impact you your environment um there are things that can impact you emotionally that make it difficult to write and taking a good look at that and figuring out how to actually problem solve those situations um can do nothing but help you. It was it will never not be good for you to be honest with yourself. Lying to yourself is just not ever helpful.
0: Sometimes being honest with yourself is painful. Yes. And you might need help or a third perspective, professional perspective, to get that hurt under control. Sometimes like there's this thing. We watched this show. Nine one one. There's a character in the show who was in an abusive relationship and she did not leave this abusive relationship because of this fucked up idea that she didn't want her mother to be right. But it goes deeper, doesn't it? It goes deeper than that. When you're in a situation where you don't want to admit that you were wrong and we all do this. I so the consequences are often not as extreme since she had to fight for her life eventually. Um, but we all do this. We all suffer under some circumstance because we don't want to admit we were wrong, or we don't want to admit somebody else was right, which is often, honestly, more painful than to admit you're wrong.
1: Yeah, if you've got a real, you know, real hate on for somebody else lording their their rightness over you your entire life, you can do a lot to avoid. You can endure a lot to avoid letting them be right. Which is exactly what happened in this particular context. Um, So, yeah, I could see that somebody would need a lot of therapy um, to get through and process and figure out how to deal with. Because it can be really painful. Um, I look what all I put up with. At first, and maybe not that—that may, that may not have been the driving factor later on, but the f- the the first few steps down that really bad path—it's like you know you're on a bad path, and you stayed on it so your mom wouldn't be right. You know I mean? I mean, that's just—that
0: speaks to a childhood that is so deeply toxic that you will spend the rest of your life in therapy. It is, yeah, and you really need therapy. You on would rather that. get beaten to death. In your own home, by the man you married, than admit your mother was right. She, no, she didn't, she didn't die. But I'm just saying that you would rather have that circumstance than admit your own mother was right, baby. You need all the therapy, all of it.
1: And the thing is, this character's had therapy about her husband, but the therapy she really needs is about her mom that really toxic toxic relationship and its influence over her life because that is messed up because i i don't think that she would have stayed in that relationship as long as she did if she hadn't had that toxic relationship with her mother so you know i mean it's it's abusive situations are never cut and dried it's never just one thing but man it, it was it was that moment when when in the past you know like Nine year nine years. No, ten years. No, uh I do the math here. Eight years before the husband she actually left the husband ish. Seven or eight years. It was ten years in the past from when they had the flashbacks, but she left the husband two and a half years before that. So don't make me math. It's about seven to eight years. Seven to eight years before she was asked to leave. And the re- she knew he was bad news. She was already miserable. He was already beating her. And she, ref- she wanted to leave, but her initial refusal was she didn't want her mother to be right. That was her initial refusal when she already wanted out, when she was already tired of it, and she endured it for an additional eight years. Eight more years. That is messed up. So that additional eight years probably had a lot of factors to it. Fear? Way beyond, way beyond her mother. I mean, it got to the point at which she was f- probably felt very trapped and paralyzed by fear. But, um, yeah.
0: You know, we all need therapy. Every one of us. The human condition is inherently fucked up.
1: <laughs> and if you didn't before 2020, I guarantee you do now. No, it wasn't, but he loves me. Her response was not, but he loves me. It really wasn't. not Not in the 10 years in the past moment. Later, I think she did try to delude herself that he loved her, but. Not at that point where she was thinking about leaving. She wasn't trying to kid herself about that.
0: But I think that in the end. It's clear that it was never love. It was about possession. Yeah. And that he was perfectly fine with the pretense. Of love and the pretense. Of of perfection on her part. Um, And of course. He was a product of a fucked up family dynamic as well. Oh Buck? No. Her husband.
1: Oh, Oh Doug. Okay. Yeah.
0: Not that Buck wasn't a product of fucked up family dynamic. Oh, yeah, cause... they all were. I mean, I, I, you know, honestly, are any of them not a product of a fucked up family dynamic?
1: Um, Not that we've seen so far. Not a single I mean, DM, one of them. I mean, we don't know about Bobby's upbringing at all. We just know they just focus on his his first family. So Bobby could have had great parents, but we have. He could have. Yeah. We don't know anything about Bobby's parent. But Hen definitely had big issues, and certainly Chimney does. And Eddie's issues are a little bit ambiguous his parents do keep trying to take his son away so that's not weird how many
0: times does that happen
1: um i think we see it strongly in two episodes we see it strongly in the eddie begins episode which you haven't seen um when he came back from afghanistan and his parents were trying to get custody of christopher um and he asked why he left el paso and went to texas went to california is because his parents were trying to take christopher away um and then we also see it very strongly at Shannon's funeral, which, during the funeral, they're like, Christopher should come with us. He should you, you should. you should come back. You should
0: come back to, like, wow. That's so fucked up. so fucked up. I can see why it's a big phantom trope. They can't even let the man bury his wife.
1: <laughs> it's a show trope. I mean, <laughs> the show did it. His parents keep trying to take his kid away, so, I mean... I mean, at Shannon's funeral, they're like, well, you need to be around family. And Peppa and and Abuela are like, hello, we're sitting right here. It's like, yeah, Ramon, that's your mother and sister. And you're sitting there saying that they're not good enough. I those women should just smack you. Well,
0: wasn't that about control, though? Isn't it always about control? Yeah. Well, I hope this group therapy session has been helpful. Um, I actually just yawned so hard I hurt myself. We should just start calling them group therapy and junk. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, anytime I'm I'm mentioning the the CBT, that's not the fun kind. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's, it's, it's a group it's therapy. But yeah, I hope you I hope you guys got something out of this, and um, that you approach your craft uh, with as much honestly um, with as much honesty as you can, because it's only to your benefit. Really, your whole life. It's as much as you can it will while it might be painful at first it will get better and it will only be to your benefit because the worst thing you can do to yourself is lie to yourself agreed
1: i would say and approach other people's craft with honesty too but with all honesty i think honesty is best tempered by compassion compassion for yourself and compassion for them and if you think about how you would want to be Have your writing discussed it will help inform how you should talk to other people in general i mean unless you just are just really callous and you just really want people to tell you that your stuff sucks in which case don't 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 use that as the metric
0: (laughs) we've already talked about negative social potency recently (laughs) yeah
1: just
0: just just just
1: remove yourself from the conversation
0: (laughs) don't be an asshole it's not rocket science in some cases it might be proctology. <laughs> I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend and we shall catch you later. Say good night, Jilly. Good night everyone.